You're listening to The Black Hole Cafe, a podcast where we spend about 42 minutes discussing a topic that has grabbed our attention and just won't let go. I'm Richard Wingfield. And I'm Taylor Wingfield. Welcome to The Black Hole Cafe. Taylor, welcome to the Black Hole Cafe. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. Happy to be here. Um, we haven't actually recorded in a while, so it feels it feels good to be back. Happy yes, to be back yes. in the cafe. Uh, been a, been a while since we've had the podcast nerd headphones on. So uh, I know <laughs> right. It's funny to see the people at work who have like the, you can tell who the gamers are because they've got the like really intense headsets or the like, you know, or they've got the really intense like big boom mic stands where you've got, you've got the the Yeti mic, right? But it's on this like shock mount and like, yeah, you can, the gamers were set up to work from home and it was, it was an easy transition. I, on the other hand, needed to to buy quite a few things to set myself up. Yeah, but the, they also have the mics, the mics that come off of the headphones, right? So they're, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yep, exactly. It was so funny joining meetings and you're just like, well, I, yep, I know who the gamers are in this room. And <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, let's, uh, let's get started. And um, before we uh, reveal what your topic is, what the event horizon is for today. Do we have any follow-up from last week's show? Yeah, so I, I did want to, um, I have a couple of follow-ups um, in, our, in our cafe update. Um, my first one is that I watched the quarantine episode of Mythic Quest. It was hilarious, so good, but it did feel a little too real like working from home and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. I, th- I thought it was fantastic. And it's my understanding that they filmed a bunch of that on iPhones, right? That Because they're all at home. Yeah, because they're they, all at home. Yeah, yeah. So it was really, really well done. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, and then my other update, which is not cafe related, but um, as I was editing the camping episode... I realized that you sort of mentioned this one, your like recommendation is the, this like battery pack, big tool, not tool, but your gadget for like what you take camping. And I actually just bought something similar because my car battery died over the weekend. And so I basically bought like a similar thing specifically for jumping my car, but it's like a big battery pack where it has like two USB chart like um, plugs in it. If the power goes out or anything like that, and it charges itself from the uh, like from the cigarette lighter in your car. If you like have it in your car and you are not jumping it, but just need like a big battery pack. So yeah, so I was like, ah, oh, this is a really good. I was very proud of my safety investment. Those things are fantastic. And for anyone that's ever, you know, had a set of jumper cables and you're trying to help somebody jump their car and they're parked head first in a parking garage and you can't get your batteries on the same side of the car, these little battery pack things just have a little cable with the clamps that go on the battery. And so you can jump somebody else's car also without having to hook up your car. You just pop that battery pack out there. So those are great. Yeah. Um, And for me, if I'm, I might have to do it on my own. And if I'm stuck on the side of the road, I don't want to have to rely on somebody else to jump my car and it's so easy. And so, yeah, that was a really big safety investment, but I was like, well, 
I ever, it would be my thing that I take with me to go camping if I ever, you know, went right. camping. But And it, and it like, is a safety thing, as you said. So if your phone's out of batteries too, and you're having car problems, they can charge your phone as well. So that's great. And it has a flashlight. It has a big flashlight on the top. <laughs> right. so I was like, oh, this is great. We'll call that a camping follow-up. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I have gotten a few more bags of coffee from from the coffee subscription. I, I will say that I, I love this coffee subscription because I, I really like trying the different, like it's really fun to try different types of beans and you're also just supporting local roasters around the country rather than like, you know, big name brands, which is really cool. Um, but it is probably the most difficult to have a subscription for an espresso machine because you dial in espresso differently for every single oh man type of coffee that you buy and you you don't use the same setting for every type of bean so it's probably not the best for espresso but it's been fun <laughs> and it's been a challenge well i've stick with my aeropress once i know what the Grind setting is for the AeroPress pour over. It's the same every time. So yeah, yeah. And good. Well, my follow-up is from our camera episode. And, uh, you know, there's worldwide shortage of webcams. And I was talking to one of my <clears throat> Apple consultant nerd friends, geek friends. And, and he said, oh, there's a little HDMI capture card that will let you use your micro four thirds let you use your Olympus camera as a webcam. So you, but you have to get this little USB card because it's not doing video. It needs to just pass through. And of course that led down a, a path of, well, my camera has the mini HDMI out my current Olympus, but it doesn't have a microphone jack. It only uses the built in mic. And so I recommended KEH camera as a place to get used cameras. So I went there, I found another Olympus so I can use all my same lenses. Bought, it's probably a three or four year old Olympus camera. Uh, and then got a Rode mic. That's a little hot shoe mic that fits on top of the camera. And then I had signed up for a course where we're having to do video online and all that kind of stuff. And my lighting sucked. So at the same camera place, I could get one of those ring lights. So now I have a little <laughs> mini studio here. <laughs> I love it. I'm really jealous of that ring light because I want um, I want it for food photography. I mean, I love the Loom Cube. It's great. But I'm like, I just need to illuminate my whole kitchen, you know? <laughs> and like, well, and here's the problem with the ring light that I discovered as we sit here talking to each other with our glasses on. The ring light reflects in your glasses. So there's this, it has a mount where you can put the camera in the center of the ring light so that you're looking right at the camera and at the light. But I can't use that mount because if I do that, I have two little raccoon eyes <laughs> on my glasses. So anyway, as we learn about video and whatever, but the, the digital camera, the mirrorless camera uh, really takes, I mean, you know this from doing all the video, but the, using a real camera and a real lens instead of a cheap webcam it makes a big difference. It so, makes a, yeah. yeah, a very big difference. So yeah, the 
the, the camera episode was supposed to cost you money because I was telling you about all my cool camera <laughs> stuff and then it ends up costing me money. So yeah, way beyond <laughs> the event horizon now. So speaking of event horizon, what's on your event horizon for today's show? So today we are going to talk about home cooking and kind of home cooking in the time of coronavirus, I guess, of like in this quarantine space. Um, I'm certainly, again, I'm going to do our general disclaimer, not an expert, uh, but I definitely feel like I would now count cooking as a hobby versus just sort of like obviously a necessity of making food for yourself. Um, and it's definitely fallen more into something that I'm learning about and actively trying to do better at versus, you know, like I said, just sort of the, the like generic, like just cooking, you know? Well, and, and I, maybe that's why we decided not to call it quarantine cooking, because it's, you're maybe not at the event horizon yet, but you're certainly headed that way. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I think like, the interesting thing is, uh, you know, I would probably say I've, I've definitely the amount of like reading and stuff that I have done about cooking and learning techniques and things like that is is definitely more than I would say your average person does and so I feel like that's that's if I'm not quite at the event horizon yet I'm I'm well on my You're way right there, there okay. for sure <laughs> and I think too like we we kind of talked about separating these two episodes out but I certainly am past the event horizon for baking uh, but that is like a whole other rabbit hole of of things. So I'll I'll talk a little bit about baking, but today we're going to mostly talk about home cooking and kind of considering myself or starting to consider myself a home cook. Well, and that makes sense because it would then have started as a necessity for quarantine, right? It's hard to get to the store, all the restaurants are closed, whatever, and and then it's become something else. And certainly from all the beautiful Instagram photos I've seen of the cooking you guys are doing. Uh, it certainly looks like it's something that's going to survive long past quarantine. So I hope so. I definitely hope so. <laughs> so tell us your, tell us your story. We've kind of jumped into it a little bit about quarantine kind of made it, made it happen. Yeah. I feel like the, the start and the event horizon are kind of, at least for home cooking, feel a little intertwined. Like I certainly, you know, started cooking for myself more when I was living on my own in college. But my my repertoire of of things that I would make or even knew how to make was probably like five five to ten things, right? Like I I didn't have to do very much. It was like uh, taco salad and pasta and regular salad and some chicken breast in my George Foreman grill and maybe some <laughs> sandwiches, you know, like it was a step above ramen for a college kid, but not by much. Very basic and bland. Well, don't forget the great cooking skills I gave you. You should have been able to make paninis in your George Foreman grill as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right, yeah. I did have the ability to to make a sandwich and close my George Foreman grill and make a panini. <laughs> Certainly paninis and mac and cheese were uh, definitely a recipe that I learned from you. But I feel like what really started to expand my, my recipe like repertoire and just the ingredients that 
I was using was when I started dating my current boyfriend, Pedro, because he had all of these different types of ingredients. And so as we started dating and cooking together more, it was an expansion of the things that I was comfortable using. Um, so that kind of like started that journey a little bit. But as we were saying, the event horizon was the sort of stay at home order and the and the quarantine because we actually had the time or I actually had the time to look up recipes and then spend the time making them. So that was kind of like the event horizon where I was actually spending time during the day like looking at recipes, getting excited about things to try and it is sort of now embarrassing, I think, the amount of time that I spend reading like just recipes or cookbooks or <laughs> or things like that. And I'm guessing uh, Pedro's cabinet or spice rack or whatever had more than the three things that you and I would have had mm-hmm. in the past. It right? had more than Tony, Tony Sachere's uh, <laughs> and Worcestershire sauce, which are That's like right. the two things that I used to use all the time. Yeah. And um, yeah, I would. I wish I had like a before and after picture of the pantry because I look at the pantry now and I feel like we should be a household of four or five people with the amount of stuff that's in the pantry. Um, but it feels nice. It feels like there's always something in the pantry that I can use or grab or make something with. Um, so, Well, that, that makes the recipes an option too because if you don't have that, you spend all this time going, that's a great recipe. Oh, we only have one of the things we need. Yeah. And we've certainly gotten very good at like, well, we don't have this, but we do have this. So we'll substitute things out and just kind of like think about flavor profiles and say, well, this is similar. Or honestly, we can just use scallions for everything. When Giovanna and I cook, she's usually on her phone and I'm like, okay, we don't have this. Look up what, what they say is a good substitute for, you know, cumin or whatever it is, right? Yeah, right. Well, that's honestly the, the, I think the thing that I find really fun about cooking versus baking, because with cooking, it's generally like, well, you don't have cilantro, you can use parsley. They, there are lots of substitutions that can happen to keep you in that same sort of flavor vein, or you can omit things pretty easily. But with baking, the, the answer is usually just no, you can't yeah. substitute yeah. anything for anything else. And so, so that's definitely like one of the things that I find like cooking being a little bit more forgiving. I find that very nice well, and pleasant. I'm, speaking from almost no experience other than, um, slice and bake cookies on the baking (laughs) side. Uh, My understanding is baking is also, you better follow the measurements and the timing perfectly. Whereas, you know, other cooking, yeah, plus or minus a little here or there and you're fine. And you're probably fine. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing that I find most interesting about like, so Pedro and I obviously cook a lot together. Um, and he, I think, probably enjoys cooking more than I do because he is a very experimental, like don't measure, just do it, taste it, do it, taste it. Um, And I love a recipe and I love rules, uh, (laughs) which is one of the reasons that I think I like, I tend to be the baker in the household versus he's definitely more of the cook. Um, But because baking is definitely more of a, an exact science following a recipe, making sure your ratios are right versus, you know, cooking, it's really hard to, you can, you can always save it, you know, you can figure something out to make it 
taste right. pretty good where you, you can't always do that with baking. Well, and on the cooking side, I'm guessing uh, branching out from sandwiches, mac and cheese and paninis and pasta, um, you probably have learned or experimented with a lot of new techniques or different types of things. I also know that from your Instagram feed, right? Yeah, I would say like for me before, you know, before the stay at home order, I have always felt like my comfort zone is being the sous chef. I am happy to chop some things for you, to do exactly what you tell me to do, to be cleaning while someone else is cooking. But in quarantine, we made this really incredible like French onion soup that has like beef short rib in it, you know, and we're braising things. And we made shumai, which are little dim sum dumplings, and we steamed them. And, you know, there's, it's really been one of those things that has sort of allowed us to, to say the things that we used to buy, we now make on our own, right? So things like tortillas. I've made homemade corn tortillas multiple times. Even things like condiments and sauces. Like tonight, we made Pedro made hummus. The, the barrier of entry to eff, of effort level doesn't quite feel the same anymore as it did before quarantine, where you know, if you want to braise something for six hours, you can because you're at home. You don't have to leave right, the oven on right. or whatever. And those types of things of trying those new techniques feel more easily accessible than, than beforehand. Well, I think you need to plug your food Instagram account so that people can check because yeah. I have been very impressed when, <laughs> when I see what's going on there. So uh, be sure and, and give us the the Instagram for your separate food account that you have. Yes, now. I will. Um, well, it's pronounced passion food, uh, but it's passion food because Pedro's personal Instagram is passion fruit um, or passion fruit because that's his favorite uh favorite fruit. And that was his like gamer handle for a long, long time. So when we were coming up with this joint food account, that was really, we were making all these dishes that we were really proud of and taking photos and trying to do work on our plating. Um, and so we finally decided we needed, uh, we needed an Instagram to be able to share all of that because we were, we were just so excited about it. So it's Paxion Food spelled P-A-X-I-O-N-F-O-O-D. Uh, no spaces. So look us up on Instagram if you if you want to give us a follow. Yeah, check it out. You'll be you'll be impressed unless you're you know already a chef tell, but neither <laughs> one of us were. So yeah. Well, what about you? So how have how has like home cooking kind of changed for for you in in this time? Well, by necessity, uh, certainly uh, cooking more at home. Um, nowhere near at the the level that uh that you have although i had to laugh at myself the last um curbside pickup order from heb i decided oh you know what we're gonna do either cooking or baking or both so um i had no flour in the house so i'm like i'm gonna get some flour because taylor's gonna have something i'm gonna have to try so so I'm certainly way down the spectrum from uh, from where you are, but Giovanna and I have fun. Well, first of all, I have to ask, what type of flour did you buy? I need to know. 
I'll have to go look. It was a, um, so being from ATB, it was a local Texas something, you know, it wasn't like just a generic. You'll have to go look and let me know okay. what. Yeah, that'll be on the follow-up next week. Yeah. I'll, I'll yeah, find out what good. kind of flower I actually bought. So, and then what, what I did with Giovanna, there's, you know, 8 million cooking and recipe apps on iPhone and iPad, but we found one that she liked that got good reviews um, it's called Kitchen Stories, but it's a pretty neat little app. And you can even do things like if you find something on the web, you can paste that web URL in and it'll grab all the recipe stuff and, you know, give you a shopping list. And so a little bit of our cooking has been, we'll go, we'll just take some time and go through there and go, well, that looks good. And she's big into, big into the cooking shows. And then they had, was it Top Chef Junior? Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. So she wants to cook. And then she's now a huge K-pop fan mm. for music, which means she already liked Asian and Korean food or whatever. So now she's picking some of those. And we, we did a Korean dish the other day that um, is the stuff that scares me away from cooking. We had felt like 42 little bowls with each of the little, you know, it's like 8 million ingredients and you're having to do all this stuff. And it was really good though. And that it was, the kitchen was a mess after we were done. So we're doing, we're doing a little bit um, more. Yeah. That's <laughs> and, the ugly side of, of home cooking is the amount of dishes that you have to do once, once the meal is over. I would say the, the other thing that I got for Christmas that's getting a lot of use from quarantine is I finally got an Instant Pot because for the Star Wars anniversary, they had Instant Pots. Instant Pots. So my Instant Pot is a Darth Vader black wow. Instant Pot. But we did just the other day, we saw some recipe somewhere. We did a pork loin and you it has a sear setting or whatever and so you kind of put it in and then you know anyway it's a couple of steps but it was super easy and it's you know the the first pork loin I've ever made that I didn't dry out and it was <laughs> miserable to eat so um, so yeah I'm doing a little bit not not certainly not as much as you yeah well I, I mean an instant pot is great we we use our instant pot all the time but um I wanted to ask like growing up what was your your like food experience at home did did your parents cook a lot for you so i feel like we maybe should just um have a separate section of the show called richard's a dinosaur <laughs> <laughs> yeah and yeah. But to, so i show my age, show my age right but <laughs> Do you, I don't, I don't remember if we ever used this or if it's, I don't even know if it's still around, but my recollection of growing up is mac and cheese and almost anything that could be done in one big pot and, or put in the oven. Um, and then the big one was called hamburger helper. Yeah. I mean, I you, remember hamburger okay, helper. Okay. So man, we had a lot of, you know, <laughs> you get ground meat and then you, throw it all in a thing and, and there's hamburger helper to go with it. And so, you know, that's the kind of thing that, that I grew up on and I'm not complaining. We were certainly not complaining uh, as children uh, to this day. 
I do not like meatloaf because I got so tired of, because you can make a huge thing of meatloaf and then it's leftovers and you can have meatloaf sandwiches, you know. Uh, I did not have a uh, culinary <laughs> experience growing up. Uh, now we did have, during the holidays, we would have all the, the grandmothers would have all their special recipes and, you know, when the family stuff would get together, there'd be very particular you know, this grandmother did the deviled eggs and this one did the turkey or the ham and she had a special recipe for that. And what do you remember from, uh, here's, here's where I may have to run off in shame. <laughs> no, I, well, that's the thing is like, I don't remember a whole lot. Like I, I feel like, you know, we, I sort of put this in comparison with like Pedro's family because his mom is an incredible home cook. Um, and she, you know, makes all these things from scratch and she's like constantly just making different types of dishes and using all these different types of ingredients. And they always have like a fridge full of food. And that was sort of never my experience growing up, probably because I was an only child for a fair amount of my life. <laughs> yes. And it wasn't like that, right? Where you were trying to make a big plate uh, or a big pot of food or a big meal that could be shared and had a bunch of leftovers and things like that. That wasn't necessarily my experience growing up. You know, I remember things like rotisserie chicken and like we were talking about paninis and, you know, um, we didn't do a lot of home, like, like true what I would consider like home cooking where you're really making these like kind of intricate meals. And I certainly feel like we went out to eat a fair amount um, yeah, yeah. also we lived in Houston, so there was just a lot of places to go out to eat. The, the only time that I remember people <laughs> spending a lot of time in the kitchen were for special occasions or for holidays or, or things like that. Whereas it, most of the things that we did were again, nothing that I would ever complain about, but for the most part, pretty basic. I mean, one of the things that sticks out in my mind for, for us, for you and I is white rice rotisserie chicken and shredded cheese, which to this day is still one of my favorite meals yep. in the entire world. It's so simple, but like, I love it. And you put a little bit of butter in the rice and it's not the healthiest thing in the world, but <laughs> super delicious. Well, the other thing, if you remember that we used to do was kind of the go sweep the fridge for whatever leftovers we had to make some creative breakfast, right? <laughs> so as long as we had eggs, it didn't matter what the other leftovers were, we're going to make a breakfast out of that, right? I mean, I think there is at least once a week where, you know, we do the same thing now where it's like, what is leftover in our fridge? And it generally now turns into some type of fried rice dish because we always have like right. leftover <laughs> rice or even cauliflower rice that's in the freezer. <laughs> Um, and the thing that that makes me really think about is is sort of our family and family friends, like the tennis tournament that that our family does, um, because you at the tennis tournament who who does cook for lots of people and grill and kind of do all of those things, which is certainly or was for a long time out of my repertoire of I don't know how to grill a burger or like make migas for a bunch of people or anything like that. And so that's definitely something that I feel like that I learned from you is being kind of the short order cook for lots of people. Oh yeah. Well, if you're talking about what we love about cooking, that tennis tournament event is one. And for those listening that don't know, it's, it's kind of a hometown family reunion thing. It's been going on for over 30 years. There can be up to 
40, 50, 60 people at this thing. And it also is proof of what I learned in architecture when you're, when you're designing residential is that no matter what you do, everybody ends up in the kitchen, right? It's such a, it's such a communal place, right? So yes, there are uh, great memories of the cooking that goes on. So I may be the short order cook at breakfast and then it's a different group at, at lunch. And so I, I th- to me, that brings, you know, you talk about you and Pedro cooking together, whatever, the, the communal aspect of cooking. Giovanna have, and I have a blast when we're, when we're doing that. And, uh, and, and, and for me, in that same vein, the other thing that I love about it is when it's just me and I'm doing the, the bachelor cooking, I love that too, because one, there's no pressure. Two, <laughs> two there's almost always uh, some adult beverage and some jazz. <laughs> and I can... You know, and like you said, since I'm not baking, when I screw something up, it just becomes something else. And, you know, it's always edible. So, yeah, I think like that is kind of the thing that I have struggled with the most when like developing this really what I would say, like love of cooking in quarantine is one, it's it's certainly super fun for Pedro and I to get to cook together, but we both sort of have to, we have to pick a head chef for the, the evening because otherwise <laughs> we just get in each other's way. So it's like, we have to know going into cooking dinner, like who the head chef is. Otherwise it's like, well, let me hold this thing. And as soon as you turn your back, the other person is there, like mix it, like trying to stir it or like, you please, know, do something. Please tell me you have head chef and sous chef aprons and if you don't that's what y'all are getting for christmas so oh we need that we we need it and we need to be able to switch off because <laughs> right. like there are certain there are certain things where it's like okay i've picked the recipe or whatever we're doing for dinner tonight so like i'm the head chef but if we don't decide on it ahead of time it becomes disastrous <laughs> but i i think that that is truly what i have missed the most about um learning to love cooking in the in this sort of quarantine time is not being able to to really like share that with lots of people because i think like that is such a like you said it's such a communal thing to be able to truly make something for someone you made something really good and you're really proud of it but also you've made it for these other people and i think like that is the thing that I have sort of been, that has made me sad. And part of the reason I think why we started the Instagram as well is like a way to share that right. sort of love right. and pride and and share it with people, even though we can't quite have people come over and cook for them. And I think that that's, that has been sort of a difficult part of, of getting, of really getting into this hobby in a time where you can't quite have that communal aspect as much as you want to. And we've had, there's, only so much we can do with Zoom and virtual meetings, right? So you can have a, a virtual dinner party or happy hour or whatever, but the, the, the process of cooking the food and the smells and sharing it with people is just not the same when it's a bunch of people sitting around with their camera. And so, yeah, that'll be, that will be nice when we can get back to that. <clears throat> And, and share meals with, you know, someone other than in our household. Yeah. What has been your, do you have any like really big cooking failures? Any good stories around that? So the, the, 
the failure that comes to mind is I think just hilarious and it and it is a uh, it barely is a cooking failure but when we were children our sister got an easy bake oven and you're basically cooking with a light bulb is what you're doing and they had some recipe and and I've, it was some kind of baked thing I can't remember if it was supposed to be cookies or whatever, uh, or a little, a, a little cake or something, you know, and it, and it's going to go in a, in a little pan that fits in the, in the easy bake oven. That's probably three quarters of an inch deep and, you know, the size of a five by seven card or something. Right. And you're going to put it in there and the, and the extra hot light bulb is going to be the, the, the thing that cooks it. And so my brother and I decided we were going to use Robin's easy bake oven and we were going to, bake one of the recipes. We left out the liquid portion of whatever was supposed to be. Oh, no. And, and who knows whether it was milk or water or whatever, but we just, somehow we missed that. And it was the most horrible thing I can, I can oh remember God. tasting. And so maybe it's taken all these years and, 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 a pandemic to you know get me over that and back in the kitchen <laughs> which, yeah, because if if you can't even do an easy bake recipe and maybe if that supports your baking there are no no screw-ups in baking especially if you leave out any water or milk or anything that was supposed to uh, give yep. the give the thing some form so anyway that's my my yeah, biggest I mean, fail right I mean well the other one was moving into a new house in Austin and almost burning down a brand new house because we set the oven to preheat and the instructions and things were still uh, in the brand new oven. Oh and my God. So there's this fire in the oven. So um, that, that would have been a bigger fail, but it, you know, it, uh, the instructions were still in the, the baking pan. So we were mm -hmm. able to just grab the pan and throw it in the backyard <laughs> as it's on fire before it burned down the house. So, <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, I have to tell you one other uh, kind of growing up in my youth and it, and it was ongoing joke with my mom about her cooking skills. Um, when, when we moved into a new house and the, the stove and the and the oven had these newer different kinds of timers and the joke running joke was well the way my mom cooked you didn't need a timer you put stuff on the stove or in the oven and then you went in the other room and when you smelt something burning you knew it was time to go check on it <laughs> <laughs> yeah the biggest failures that i have had have definitely been in baking uh, so for Pedro's birthday, um, which was a couple of weeks ago, I uh, made a tartatin or tartatine, whatever you say. It's a French dessert, but it's basically an upside down cake, except for instead of cake, it's pastry. So you you caramelize sugar, um, you make like a caramel, you put fruit in the caramel in a pan, and then um, you have pastry and you put the pastry, uh, the puff pastry on top, and then you put it in the oven to bake. And then once it's baked, you flip it over. And then so the fruit's on top when you present it and it's got all this caramel and right, things like that. Right. Um, but the, the couple of times that I have tried to do something 
kind of like that with with caramel which basically involve like heating some type of fat so it's butter milk whatever um and sugar together uh, i have definitely had to do them twice uh or multiple <laughs> times because it's it's such a you if you don't do it exactly right you just end up with this like horrifying burned sugar yeah. i was gonna mess. ask how many smoke alarms went off but <laughs> so many so many and the fun part about those is like the cleanup because you can't pour molten sugar down the sink because it'll crystallize so you put it in a glass jar and then you wait for it to harden and then you slowly dissolve it over time so it's like a three-day cleanup process <laughs> really nice you know just reminds you of those failures but i don't i don't like failure i don't do very well with baking failures especially like little cracks in a cake or things that don't look quite right they make me very sad uh so i i I'm definitely um, a little bit of a perfectionist, so try to try to avoid the. When I do have failures, they make me very sad. <laughs> <laughs> we'll usually talk about gadgets, tech, resources. Um, I've, I guess I've kind of already shared one uh, finding a cooking recipe app on the App Store. You know, go to Apple's App Store or your App Store of choice and. There'll be tons of them. The one, the one we picked was Kitchen Stories. I think it had a way to make groups and share things. So we have like a, a folder of stuff we want to try. And then we have a folder of approved. And then we have a folder of uh, didn't like it so much so that we don't accidentally make it again. Three months later go, oh, I forgot we made that already and didn't like it. Right. So that, that would be... Uh, that would be one of one of mine. What about you? I like that. I actually think like we have um, we had just have a Google Doc of like literally just all of so we we call it our quarantine cookbook and it's like all the things that we've tried to make and links to different recipes and things like that. So it would be really nice to have an app like that. Maybe I'll download it to uh, to kind of start organizing some of those things and and building up like our own little cookbook. Well, you guys may not need it, but some of the things that one of the things we liked about Kitchen Stories, and again, there's Epicurious and there's a bunch of them that get really yeah. good reviews, but um, many of them that are already in there, not ones that we've imported from somewhere else, will have all the instructions, but they'll also have video so that, Love that. you're getting a little video of that. Oh, that's what that word means on what to do to that, <laughs> that you know, carrot or whatever it is. Right? Yes, so, exactly. Right. Um, yeah, I think in terms of gadgets, honestly, the the best purchase that we, we have made a significant investment in our kitchen since the stay-at-home, you know, quarantine timeframe. Um, I think the, the, the most, we've certainly done some home improvement, but really like the majority of our money has been spent in our kitchen, which for us has been honestly a really great quality of life improvement. I think our best purchase of quarantine was our Dutch oven. So we have, um, I think it's a six quart Dutch oven. It's been really amazing for things all across the spectrum from like braising and slow cooking to, you know, frying things to baking. So I think like if you don't have a Dutch oven, well worth the investment. Um, but really like, 
the things that have made our quality of life improvements so much in the kitchen are really things like a squeeze bottle for our olive oil that sits right next to the stove, which is stuff you see in a professional kitchen all the time, but is not really like a, it's not an investment. It's just a plastic squeeze bottle that you just like, it makes it so much easier than trying to pour it from a big olive oil bottle. Right. Right. Um, And like the almost Tupperware kind of deli containers that you get from takeout, we save all of those and they're the best things in the world. Like I have my sourdough starter in there. We have like so many things in our fridge, like pomegranate seeds right now, which are just in a deli container. And the other thing that I think is, it's not so much gadget or tech, but it's the the thing that has really, one, one of the things that has really been really, really important to us in, in quarantine and like keeping our fridge and stuff organized is just labeling everything. <laughs> and, and now we have affirmed that you come by your uh, yes. <laughs> type A personality honestly and we have a labeler. <laughs> so that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I keep masking, masking tape next to the fridge and then just a Sharpie and we just label everything. So for me, it's really helpful. And we have leftovers. We yep. just put, we label it and we put the date on it. So we know when we've used it. Got dates on it. And yep. it's, yep. it's a huge, huge thing that's like, it start labeling all of your stuff. <laughs> so really, I think it's just like the little things that have really been like really helpful in, in sort of taking those right. Uh, right. small pieces from, you know, what professional chefs do in their home kitchens and kind of keeping, putting those into our home kitchen as well. Yeah. And I would add, I mean, I've, I already mentioned the instant pot and, and of course mine is a nerdy one and it's star Wars based, but the, the, as you were talking about kind of necessities that I finally broke down and got a good set of sharp knives and it makes a huge difference. Yeah. And one of the things that you hear a lot of professional chefs say is like, you're much more likely to cut yourself with a dull knife than you are with a sharp knife because a dull knife, you can more easily lose control of where the knife is. And you're working it harder. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Because you're having to work it or really push something in you can't be as careful because you're having to put so much pressure on something and it's easier for the knife to slip and things like that. Well, and, and we've talked about it, I think probably every episode because we're geeks and, um, you know, they're owned by the New York times now, but go to wire cutter. And that's where I found my, it's like, okay, well, I want good sharp knives, but I'm not a chef and I'm not going to spend $1,500 on a knife set for, for my home kitchen. And Wirecutter had some great reviews on on getting a what is a good set, but still, you know, affordable or whatever. The only other thing I wanted to add on the kind of fun stuff was, and, and this goes back to camping, I got some, uh, Lodge is one of the kind of famous brands for cast iron stuff. And I had picked up some Lodge cast iron that I was using on camping trips. And then with quarantine and and being in an apartment and not having a backyard and a grill and being on a mailing list because I bought an email list because I bought something (laughs) from Lodge, they have a big cast iron thing for the oven that's intended, it's the size of making a, uh, like a large pizza, 
So it's for making pizzas, you know, making your homemade pizzas, which I think was on your list too of stuff that you guys have done. Yep. Um, So that thing has gotten a ton of use during quarantine. We grill Brussels sprouts on it. We uh, broil steaks on that. So I'm now a huge fan of cast iron in the kitchen, not just um, in the, on the camp stove. So yeah, I mean, the Dutch oven that I was talking about, it's it's a lodged cast iron Dutch oven. So right. yep, yep. It, it, cast <laughs> iron is really, really awesome for, for things like that. Yeah. Well, I think before we go to the media black hole, uh, our, our general um, last thing is forcing each of us to pick one thing from this topic because you can never really pick just one thing. So we just picked a whole bunch of stuff. But if you're going to pick one thing, <laughs> what's one of your favorite things or what you would re- highly recommend to someone for, for this cooking episode? Honestly, I think it is a big, heavy, thick cutting board. Um, because as much as I love, I have like, we have so many mise en place bowls, like these little bowls where you can put like, okay, we've chopped our onions and we're going to put them in here so that when right. we need to add all of it to a skillet or whatever, it's really easy to grab, which is really important of keeping your kitchen space organized. But the really amazing thing about just having like a really big uh, cutting board one is it's really safe. So when you're cutting stuff, it, the cutting board doesn't move. It just sits on your countertop really nicely. Um, and then the other thing is like it gets rid of a lot of that necessary sort of mise en place because you can have your chopped scallions here, you can have your mm-hmm. um, you know your mushrooms here, you can have all these different things on one cutting board. So one, it makes cleaning up really easy. But two, I constantly find myself like needing to like, oh, I got to chop some garlic or some onions or whatever and and needing that. And so having just like a big heavy cutting board, I mean, it stays out on our counter at all times now because we we use it for for basically everything. Right. Well, mine, of course, is tech related. And for years, I've uh, avoided the meat thermometers and you know i'm i'm i know how to grill and cook and all that kind of thing i can just tell by looking or you know that you it's time to flip the steak when you've finished your beer and then you flip it to the other side right so uh but i heard about this on another podcast and it's called meter m-e-a-t-e-r so meter.com but it's a meat thermometer it has its own little case wooden block that it sits in and charges and there's an iphone app for it and you put it in the meat and then you go to the app and you tell it what you're cooking so even if you don't know what the desired temperature is you can go okay like we used it on the pork loin the other day so you go great i'm cooking a pork loin here's usd recommended should be at 145 the the center of it should be at 145 degrees and then it starts going and you get a little graph and it tells you where it's at. And then it beeps at you when it hits the correct temperature. And then it tells you how long to let the meat rest after you pull it out of the heat. And then it beeps again and goes, okay, it's rested for the uh, appropriate amount of time. And it's just, wow. a, just a great little gadget. Um, and, and so you know, you're not trying to look in the oven and see the little dial and turn on the light and see if you can tell where it is. 
you've just got your iPhone app and it's telling you what temperature it is. It knows where the, where the goal was and that kind of thing. So meat thermometer taken to the high tech level. So I love it. That's great. Well, I think we can move on to the next section of our show, which is uh, really our media black hole. So um, basically each of us is going to have a recommendation for either a book or a movie or a TV show um, or some type of media that's really worthy of getting sucked into. So what is your recommendation this week? So what's it called when, when it's kind of an embarrassing pick, but you're <laughs> so... Like a guilty pleasure yeah, pick guilty, or whatever? guilty like pleasure. A... So uh, Giovanna and I were looking for something. We had finished whatever we were binging, and we were looking for something to watch together. And I don't know how this popped into my head, but do you remember the TV show called Eureka? Yeah. So we've started Eureka from season one, and I think it's got five seasons maybe something like but that yeah. the 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 show is just fun and it's funny and it's nerdy and the the basic concept is there's this kind of small secret town in the northwest somewhere I think is where it's supposed to be but it is completely populated by geniuses and there's special government research for all this funky stuff going on so the the guy that's the auto mechanic in his jumpsuit is, you know, a nuclear physicist and doing all kinds of stuff. So, uh, and then I think he was a U.S. Marshal, but basically an outsider becomes sheriff there and he is not a genius, but guess what? With all those geniuses and government secret projects and whatever, hijinks happens every episode and the sheriff is put in the middle of it. So it's just, it's just a fun little mindless show but it you know each episode is kind of its own little thing it's not like current ones where there's necessarily a big through line there are some but um anyway that's what we've gone back to so we're we're we've started eureka from season one and it's just kind of fun i love it so mine for this week staying on theme is top chef of course yeah (laughs) of course um so I, we, I think, uh, or at least I, I think, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I remember us watching some of the first seasons of Top Chef while I was growing up. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And we, and we loved it because we were into Project Runway and then right. we found Top Chef and it was kind of similar. And like, I remember it being like almost a weekly thing where we would watch on one of our projectors on some wall and we would watch Top right, Chef. Right, Yeah, that was in my day when, why would we have a TV if I could rig up a projector and take up a whole wall with, you know. <laughs> now the f- problem with that was if any windows were open and it wasn't completely dark, it was really hard to watch. But yeah, and that was in the day of, um, what do they call it, appointment viewing, right? Like it came mm-hmm. on on a particular day at a particular time. So if you wanted to watch it, you either had, to be there at that time or you had to have be recording it yeah i remember or whatever like we would tivo it you know right that was like we would tivo like because if i wasn't if i wasn't with you at your house like we would tivo it so that we could watch it together and um so i were like very much remember growing up and watching top chef and and absolutely loving it i'm gonna being like a really like a family thing for us 
And then um, recently have gotten back into it in the last couple of years, have watched the last couple of seasons, you know, live as they've come out in the most recent season, which is 17, um, just finished last week. And so I was what we had been watching it week over week. And so it was really fun. And um, it's one of those, you know, fun things that as we're eating like our one skillet meal where we're like, oh, the terrible mistake, Melissa, like you shouldn't have done that. You over, over braised your meat. That's going to be dry, you know? And it's like, it's a reality show, but again, kind of just one of those like fun, easy watching, but also if you love food, super fun to watch. um, Well, good for you being on topic with that. And now that I think about it, you kind of gave away the pick early in the show where you talked about your Instagram feed and worrying about your plating because that is from that show, right? Yeah, so. absolutely. It was like where I first learned about like plating food and what the language that you <laughs> use to talk about food and all of the, you know, we we often say that our, that's kind of like our joke in the house is that lunches are really our quick fire challenge because we <laughs> hardly ever have more than 30 minutes to like cook and eat for lunch just between meetings and things like that. So we, we often call lunch our quick fire challenge to just that's like- great all right, what do we have in the fridge? We've got 30 minutes. Let's go. How do we make a good tasting something for lunch? Well, I think uh, that is definitely all the time we've got this week. And thanks for joining me today, Taylor, at the Black Hole Cafe to discuss your latest obsession. Thanks. It's always fun. This one is especially, you know, near and dear to my heart. So lots of fun memory lanes. And uh, yeah, I appreciate the time and I look forward to to talking again in the next couple weeks. Um, do you have any ideas on what our next topic is going to be? I, I do not know. You and I have a list, but I haven't figured out on that list which one I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick. So uh, I think it'll be, have to be a mystery for you and for all of our listeners <laughs> to just have to wait and see what shows up. I, I will say the potential for our first guest on the show. Giovanna has offered to come talk about K-pop if we if we want wow. to do a show on K-pop. So uh, K-pop and J-pop. So you know got it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. Well thanks everybody for listening and uh we'll see you all next episode. Thank you all for listening today. We'd love it if you subscribe to our show in your podcatcher of choice. And if you would rate or review us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We'd also love to hear from you as well. You can send us an email at info at theblackholecafe.com or let us know what's on your event horizon on the web at www.theblackholecafe.com on Facebook and Instagram at The Black Hole Cafe on Twitter at Just Black Hole Cafe. Thanks again for listening. Take care and don't forget your towel.